you've stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's broaden our minds. Hello and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. I am your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. I'm really quite pleased with this episode as I'm joined by my good friend and fellow father, the King of Wales himself, Mr. Luke Summerfield. Luke and I have been trying for a while to get this hook conversation off the ground, and it just so happened that on the eve of Father's Day, we were able to make that happen. Now, coincidentally, this film is not only a great deal of fun with a strong message about nurturing your inner child, but a tremendous homage to fatherhood and the greatness of being a father. I reckon we're about to get started here, but I'd like to ask first that y'all make sure to follow the Sleeping Giant podcast on both Facebook and Instagram, which you can find at facebook.com slash the Sleeping Giant podcast or on Instagram at the Sleeping Giant podcast. I'm also on Twitter at TSG underscore pod. Finally, you can also find me on Patreon, where you can support the show with a donation of $1 a month or any amount of your choosing, really. You'll get a shout-out on the show and a personal thank you from me, and uh, you'll get an opportunity to plug any of your own projects or artwork that you'd like to get out there. Either way, your support means the world to me, and I am grateful. For now, y'all go on and get comfy. We are about to begin. Luke, are you there, sir? Yeah, I'm here, dude. Let's get ready to bang a rang. Yes. How the hell are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. This is something that we've been talking about doing for a while, I think, is an episode of the Sleeping Giant podcast where we discuss the 1991 film Hook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while, and I think the last time you were on the show was for the Star Wars Episode One special. Is that accurate? Yeah, and I think we've improved the audio tenfold, no? Oh, I certainly hope so. How how the hell are you in, in the wonderful country of Wales? I'm assuming it's wonderful. Yeah, well, we've had uh, a ton of rain, but today, now that I'm indoors recording, the sun is blaring outside, so sitting here, coasting <laughs> away. It's supposed to be a monsoon here as well. We we have um, we have rainy, a, a rainy season, I suppose you could say being a sub subtropical climate and it's uh it's pretty hardcore i mean you know you're looking at floods you're looking at you know yeah. roof leaks and it's just it's so fun you you've also you also run the risk of when you get floods that the the alligators are just going to swamp the street yeah exactly just like <laughs> in that movie crawl yeah have you meaning to watch us on uh, sky movies at the moment i haven't watched it yet you should i mean it's absurd number one because anyone <laughs> who knows anything about anything regarding alligators and hurricanes <laughs> is that they're absolutely not going to do that they're going to get the fuck out of dodge yeah. um yeah. but whatever you know they're gonna to go to disney and chill while everybody's in the house fighting for their lives yeah it's it's a fun movie though especially since a lot of the places that are in it allegedly are uh counties that i drive in every day and I do, uh, I, I'm always on the lookout for alligators. That shit never gets old to me. Oh, Luke, just last week, I think it was, it might have been in, in the middle of last week, there was a man who was bitten in the face by an alligator in a park just up the street from me. Jesus. Um, yeah, it was... Was it I, the I, Florida man? 
it was a Florida man. A one of the Florida many. Man. Yes, one of the many iterations of Florida Man. But here's the thing. It was in it was in a lake that I've seen alligators in before because when I'm working, I'll always shirk my responsibilities to go drive down by the lake and just sit and watch. Nice. Um, so, so I've seen gators there before. But this guy, I'm not sure what he was doing in the park this early in the morning. I don't think it would be open. Um, he was fishing Frisbee discs for for frisbee golf out of the water at 5 a.m which yeah he was in waist deep water at 5 a.m where there are alligators and i mean yeah it's true they're typically not that aggressive but we're coming up on mating season here oh and come on man i'm just singing a happy gilmore now yeah it's all in the hips Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe he deserved it. I don't know. I don't know if anyone deserves yeah. to be bitten in the face by an alligator, but oh, no. it happens. But you know, you gotta be wits about you. What, what are you doing in in that lake at like five a.m. Yeah, during exactly. mating season of an alligator. Yeah, and I, dude, I don't know. I just wanted to share that with you because, just speaking of crawl, I guess I I could see maybe how you know you have the odd alligator attack, but mm, coordinated reptile strikes, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, it's, I always thought Sharknado was real as well. Mm. Is it not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel lied to. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, moving along. So, so Hook, how did we even get to talking about that? I think during one of our many conversations, we it came up somehow, and, and we um, decided this was something we should do. Yeah, and on Evil Father's Day, funny enough, which is a film about being a better dad. Yes, yes, very much so. Yeah, I don't know how we got in... Well, Hook is kind of inbuilt into my DNA. It was one of those films, apart from Star Wars as a kid, that just just literally totally hooked me in. I was... I, 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 and growing up now, I can't understand why the film flopped, because Hook, I tell you what, as a kid, I would watch it over and over and over. It was just something about it. It was just totally magical. What, it really was. It really was. Hell of a cast. Yep. We got your Robin Williams. We got your Maggie Smith. Dustin uh, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Bob Hoskins. Oh, yeah. And Julia um, Roberts. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, it, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing cast. And let me ask you this. Um, Maggie Smith, she's been old since Moses was in short pants. <laughs> um, but did they age her in this movie? Was she wearing... Uh, I think some, so. Some type she of was appliance. I think she was in her fifties, so they did make her a lot older than what she was. Hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting because that makeup, if that is in fact the case, looks so much better than a lot of aging makeup that you see these days. Yeah, a lot of practical effects, man, can't beat them. Yeah. Well, who was it? Um, Guy Pierce as Wayland in. Um, Prometheus, I think, which was a Ridley Scott picture. It looked yeah. like dog shit. So <laughs> I, I've been meaning to re- revisit Prometheus. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, it. Uh, gosh, Prometheus was one of those that I've been looking forward to forever. And when I finally saw it, it it just was one of the first films in a long train of films that really let me down. But yeah, um, from what I understand, there were great bits of the movie that were removed. That if you watch them in the film, it actually makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I need to go back and yeah. and revisit that as well. But anyway, um, Hook. I didn't realize that it was a flop. I just assumed that everyone well, loved it as much as I did. Critically, it was a flop. You know, it made 
think the budget was what was the budget? Thirty million. Mm-hmm. And then they made about three hundred million in the box office. Oh, sorry, the budget yeah. was seventy million, and they made about three hundred million at the box office. Any idea what the global numbers were? <laughs> I haven't a clue. Nah, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not important. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting watching this film as an adult because your your perspective is totally different. Yeah. Um, I think that there may have been some things that were over my head when I was a kid. Like I may have gotten it on a, a superficial level. Oh yeah. But this... the underlying meanings I think were lost on me at the time. But I didn't realize as well that it was a Christmas film. Like technically, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah, it was released in December. They travel to London when it's Christmas. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until I watched it recently on the new TV, I noticed when they're at the baseball game, mm-hmm. the, um, what do you guys call it? The guy that stands behind the, the bat there. The umpire? The umpire is wearing a Santa Claus beard. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but they don't really play on the whole Christmas aspect of it, though. That's very interesting. It never comes up in the, the age-old die-hard Christmas movie debate. No. Okay, well, I'm going to have to put that one in my back pocket and, and use it for ammo next time. <laughs> yeah, so the the premise of this movie is pretty straightforward. Um, it's It's based on a question, I think. What if... Peter Pan grew up, um, yeah. which is pretty loaded if you think about it. That could go so many different ways. But uh, Peter Pan has grown up. He's married. He has kids of his own. Um, and all all thoughts and memories of Neverland have completely left his mind because it seems yeah, like... It's, it's like dealing with a child with trauma. They've packed all that shit away. Right. And it's locked away now, and they've they've sort of moved on with their new life. You know, he's changed his name. He's become Peter Banning. Now, isn't that an effect of being in in our world? Is the loss of that memory? Yes. And then vice versa in Neverland, you lose your yeah. Memory when you leave Neverland, you start to forget. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's actually it's actually pretty nuanced and incredibly cool from from that perspective yeah it's just, it's the same as you grow older and you, you forget to be a child you forget what it was like to be a child and always have fun and you know children look at the world differently as well absolutely they don't have as many hang-ups i no. think as adults do <laughs> and that yeah. actually that that was the second aspect of the film that i was going to mention is that uh what if peter pan grew up and then what if you could let go of of being an adult what if you could let go of all the 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 sort of mental obstacles that that kind of grow on your brain like barnacles um, as you age so i thought that was pretty cool before we move into the movie proper i want to mention a couple of things that and you may have noticed this that this film is incredibly related to star wars in several ways um, yeah. it's, it's very much a production relative of Star Wars, as it were. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy was one of the producers on this film, who yep. who you know is now the, the chief operator of Lucasfilm, uh, the head of Lucasfilm. And um, I mean, the, the fact that it was directed by Steven Spielberg kind of goes without saying. I believe that this was yeah. uh, um, one of his more imaginative pictures, I'd like to say. Uh, and of course, Steven Spielberg and Lucas being good friends. Um, that brings me to 
the fact that Carrie Fisher and George Lucas actually have a cameo in this movie yeah. as the couple on the on the bridge that uh, that is silhouetted against the night sky as Peter Pan, yeah. or I should say as Tinkerbell as, as, flies as they off take off Peter to Neverland, the fairy dust mm-hmm. uh, tinkles down on them when they start to float round as they kiss them. And well, uh, another interesting thing about Carrie Fisher is that she wrote or rewrote the dialogue for Tinkerbell. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to mention that. Isn't I, that did, crazy? I did not know that until recently. I knew George and Carrie were in the film, mm-hmm. but then I didn't realize that Carrie wrote all of Tink's screenplay. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So there's yeah. just one more reason to absolutely adore Carrie Fisher. The last thing I wanted to mention is not necessarily Star Wars related, but I found it to be incredibly interesting, and that is that... Uh, the, the story for this movie was was developed by a man named Nick Castle. Um, and uh, he was one of one of the main guys inside of Michael Myers um, <laughs> from the first Halloween movie. okay? So that's crazy. Yeah. but I'll, but I'll go you one further. He went along through his career and became a director. And one of the films that he directed was Major Pain. Uh, I don't know if you remember that film with Damon Wayans. Oh, I think that rings a bell. Isn't it got some My cheesy gadgets is... in it, though? <laughs> no, you're thinking of Blank Man. <laughs> Which... <laughs> yes, yes, Blank Man um, with uh, David Alan Greer and Damon Wayans. Fantastic picture. That is one of my absolute favorites. Um, but yeah, if you yeah, haven't seen Major Pain, you definitely need yeah. to see that movie because it's amazing. Um, okay, so where were we? I kind of got sidetracked there. Oh, we, yes, we got Hook. distracted by Star Wars again, as we normally do. <laughs> yes. we, we forgot one yes. of the main Star Wars things as well. Okay. Soundtrack was by John Williams. Oh, dude, so obvious. Thank Such, you for pointing that out. Yeah, absolutely incredible music. Yeah, you can't, you cannot escape the the beautiful composition from John Williams um, that that can easily make a movie as far as I'm concerned is the soundtrack and yeah. just never disappointed by that guy. So yeah, hook it's a, it's a kind of an odd picture, isn't it? Yeah. Because you go, when you're in the, the real world, as we say, the, the music is totally different as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you just see Peter as this, really crap father who's just right. so hell-bent on working and mergers and acquisitions m- mergers and a- yeah literally has become a pirate yeah <laughs> a modern modern day pirate <laughs> yeah. so um, right off the bat we see that they're they're at a school play for his daughter yeah Maggie. that that always used to throw me as a kid the, oh, the, the fact the, that they're the, watching a play? The play? Yeah, the play within a play, you know, bit, bit Inception, you know? Yes, <laughs> that is that is very weird. And, and that was always loosely addressed, it seemed to me. I watched this last night, and I, I guess you just kind of assume that that's normal for them to have this sort of idea floating around them that my dad was Peter Pan, or not necessarily my dad was Peter Pan, We're- but um, Wendy was Granny Wendy was the Wendy from the Peter Pan stories. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting as well because Maggie is short for Margaret and originally mm-hmm. Wendy had a daughter called Jane which you see 
which was later added by J.M. Barry. And then Jane had a daughter called Margaret. Ah, but in okay. the film, they call her Moira, and then Maggie is the daughter. Gotcha. So she's gone. It's, it's a little nod to the the books. That is cool. Yeah. And the the only one the only thread that I picked up was that J.M. Barry was Wendy's neighbor. Yeah. According to the film, and yeah. he loved their stories so much that he wrote them all down. And it, it's really sweet how it plays into the the Great Ormond Street Hospital as well. How she ends up working alongside that with the orphans, mm-hmm. and they have that big gala, and they've opened the new wing of the hospital. Ah, oh, stunning! Yeah. And all the all the old um, orphans stand up and clap. It's just uh, really nice. I was affected emotionally far more than I was prepared for i think <laughs> i i can't watch this film without crying it's something in it that every time i watch it i'm, I'm in bits yeah it's it it hit me hard in a couple of places as well and i i'll certainly point those out um when we get to them now during the play we this is when we first start to notice that that uh peter kind of sucks yeah because he's the dude whose cell phone rings and in, in a uh in a in, in a theater environment when people are trying to perform which is just fucking rude i don't care who you are yeah. and where you're at if somebody is is sharing their art with you and performing you you just turn your fucking phone off um and then of course he's he's talking over his daughter's lines which is just crap and uh he promises to fly out for a meeting that is going to take place on the same day as his son's ball game which of course, in in going to this meeting, he he totally he totally misses that. So you get the idea that he's his work is far more important to him than his family, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just just not a cool guy. So obviously he misses the game. He shows up to the game. Everybody is already gone, and his son is incredibly pissed off at him, and rightly so. Um, so this is the part though that really got to me. Like the family is is flying to England so that they can. Um, join Granny Wendy during the dedication yeah. of the children's hospital. Um, and when they get there, he's still wrapped up in his work. Um, he barely even acknowledges Wendy. And um, he is he has a moment with his wife where she takes his cell phone and throws it out the window. Yeah. And, and it's what Moira said to him that it was the first of, of many um, many shots to the heart. Is when she says that soon Jack may not even want you to come to his games. Yeah, and that's something that every now we've, and then we've only got a few brief moments with our children. Yeah, before yeah, you know exactly. it, they don't want to spend any time with us. Yeah, and uh, she says you're the ones that will be running after him, trying to get attention. And uh, you know, and as a father, that's oh man, that's gloomy because I know that it's true. That's literally after when uh, old Wendy lady has described Peter as becoming a pirate. Mm-hmm. But he, he, yeah. can, he can see, like, um, on the flight over, Jack has drawn that picture of them all with parachutes, and Peter doesn't have a parachute. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting in the little picture. You see him, it looks like Peter Pan is actually flying, though. That's yeah. All he's, the interesting thing about that flight on the way over, did you notice... That they fly in Pan Am. I did not. The aeroplane says Pan Am on the side, and the captain of the plane is actually Captain Hook. Dustin Hoffman really? is doing the voice. Interesting. He's the captain okay. of the ship. 
So I know oh, that there shit. are little there are little Easter eggs in this movie. Some of them I found. That one I did not catch. Yeah. Um, so thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> There's um, there there is another one that that we'll get to. But uh, you you get the idea that you know Peter is this very self absorbed guy, and if you haven't gotten that yet, you might just either stop watching the movie or start it over again. Let me ask you this: when when they're about to leave the kids uh, in bed and Granny Wendy is telling them a story and, you know, Peter's like, come on, we got to go. Um, this is going to be the most important event of Granny, Granny Wendy's life. I took that to mean that he was projecting his opinion onto what would be the most important event of her life. But then when we actually see it, it was a very emotionally oh, yeah. impactful situation. So what, what do you think about that? It was just uh, a beautiful, just seeing all the orphans standing up and applauding her. And she literally is taken aback by everything that she ever did from mm-hmm. rescuing all these lost boys and then later on becoming, she must have been a massive foster carer because there was right. hundreds of people in there clapping for her. Do you think that he was, that, that Peter was correct in assuming that that was the most important night of her life? Well, yeah, because... Without her, look at the status that he has in his life now. The mm-hmm. the job that he got, the school he went through, she helped him find a family. There's there's hell gotcha. of a message there. Okay. Well I just I wasn't sure and I actually when I wrote that in my notes, I put big question marks next to it because I didn't know if I was reading too much into that line of dialogue or if that was how we were supposed to feel about it. So mm-hmm. I can definitely go with that. The question I have now is when they get back and the kids are gone and the implication is that Hook has kidnapped them. And he dragged his hook all the way yeah, through God, the house. that was creepy. <laughs> I know. What? That was very creepy. But then you see Toodles, who was one of the original Lost Boys, and he's barking, he's hearing Nana the dog barking, mm-hmm. and then he's like, he's, he's barking, and then he just changes to Hook as he looks at the pirate ship yeah. in the glass bottle. Yes, that whole scene I think was very well crafted, and it had very yeah. strong undertones of of uh, a horror film. Yeah, and the clasp on the window, which is shaped like a hook, slowly opening, and then the the window bursts open. And I I hadn't seen this movie in probably a decade, so in my notes I had written, you know, like how did they know that his children would be there? It seemed like such a huge coincidence, but. Further into the movie, when, when Peter's captured by the pirates, uh, Smee does actually reveal that this has been a very laborious and painstaking undertaking mm-hmm. um, of tracking him down and finding him yeah. in our world because he, he, he has he, all um, of these consults records. his notes on Peter as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes he, he's like, I've got it all right here. Dental records. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it, I, so that I question does get answered. I twist on the film recently. I had a thought about it yesterday. What's that? Was it part of Tinkerbell's plot as well to get Peter back? Because she oh, was always you know. portrayed as... She even tried to kill Wendy in the original story. She got yes. Toodles to shoot Wendy from the sky. Yes, so, I know. And, and, it, and that... as you see towards the end of the film, Tink, you know, she's mm-hmm. she has that wish come true. She, she becomes human size. And she still confesses her love for Peter. So did she help Hook come back to bring Peter back? I think that in a way she did. Mm. I don't think she was in cahoots with Hook. No. 
but it is pretty evident that Tinkerbell is somewhat nefarious mm. <laughs> in in in, uh, in orchestrating this whole thing. So I think that while that's not spelled out, I think you're right. Because Tink could have saved the kids. Mm-hmm. She could have. Yeah, she she flies them back at the end with, with fairy dust. So there's something. Yeah, there's something. As you said, there is something nefarious about. Tink's yep. plan. She is. She is. I don't think that she's a dark character, but later on in the in the, later on in the film in the scene that you just mentioned, where she gets her wish, there is something very interesting about that, and I want to put a pin in it, mm. um, and I'll I'll bring that up in just a bit because I want to see what you what you think about it. Yeah. But but once they get to Neverland, as you mentioned, that is when. The, the scenery obviously changes. The tone of the film changes. The, the music becomes more, more magical. Yes. Yes, exactly. I love it. And I want to talk a little bit about the set design of Neverland. Um, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of sound stages, obviously. Yeah. Um, and when I was watching it this go-round, I realized how much projection they were using uh, for backgrounds as well as miniature or excuse me, uh, scale models against matte paintings. Yeah. It looks so good. Yeah, especially when you, you, you see Neverland from a distance as well. It just looks so captivating and magical. Yes, and I, I you know, I freeze the frame because I wasn't sure exactly what was what. And and you know, that's when I came to that conclusion. And I may be wrong about some of those effects, but I realized that, you know, just seeing all of this without so many enhancements from from CGI, it just it makes for a far more satisfying picture to me. Yeah, stunning. And I can't imagine what it must be like for an actor to go <laughs> from working like that to all of a sudden standing in this big green void <laughs> and having yeah, to stretch your imagination. Well, well, they've come to realize that with films now that once actors can see where they're supposed to be acting that mm-hmm. they get a far better, more realistic flow to the film. Because, you know, if say, for instance, you're sitting in the front of the Millennium Falcon staring at a green screen, you can't really react mm-hmm. to what's in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And if you can, it, it just seems like a... you know, And that's not to knock any of these actors and their ability to do that. Yeah. It just it, it seems far more genuine. Oh. At least from from my point of view, literally as the camera um, follows through the set, you follow the hook, hook, mm-hmm. hook. Where's the hook? The set was just incredible. Wouldn't you just love to run around there as a kid? Yes, absolutely. Oh. I, I wanted to. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this situation where the kids have now been kidnapped by um, by Hook, and we get an idea that he had already been there previously because before they were kidnapped. Maggie says that there was a mean old man outside who said he was a window window washer. So, do you think that that was Smee, or do you think that that was Hook? You could have been, yeah, pirate spy, or just a pirate. Yeah, not very specific. Because that's that's um, this hell of a height of a window to climb, isn't it? Yes, yes. Mm. Um, as as they're kidnapped and they're all the adults are in our world and they're trying to figure out what to do. They've called the cops. I love how, how, uh, Peter is like, well, we'll call the American police. And I'm just like, I, I don't did, think you have a grasp did, on how this works. Yeah. Did you notice the, uh, the cameo with the police inspector was? 
I did. And Phil Collins. A, yes. And that's funny to me because when I was younger, I always got Phil Collins and Bob Hoskins yes, confused. Yes, yes. I, I did exactly the same thing. I thought they were the same person. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm so glad that was not just me. Okay, so I was watching it and I was like, I was like, I know that guy's face. Yeah. Is that Bob Hoskins without the beard? And then, <laughs> but no, they're they. And I looked at it now as an adult, and I'm like, no, clearly they're two different people. <laughs> but whatever. I, I watched a lot of Roger Rabbit and a lot of Genesis Phil Collins stuff when I was a kid, yeah. so that's probably why. But um, so they're trying to figure this whole thing out, and I wanted to ask you: Is it just me, or is Peter woefully uh, under? Uh, is he less upset than he should be that his kids are missing? <laughs> yeah, because he literally then, after surrendering the the letter from James Huck and with the sword to the police, he, he there's mm-hmm. that moment where he wanders upstairs with his large, well, I'm assuming a large whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, any other dad would be out on the streets constantly searching, but he just seems to mm-hmm. s- to stay at home and model around the house. Yeah, it's like, I guess I'll get drunk now. I'll get drunk now and walk <laughs> through the, the, the children's bedroom. Yeah, that that really kind of bothered me. Because, they're, you know, it, it, movies of that time, yeah. they seem to gloss over details like that. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just like, no, nah, dude, I would be like knocking on doors, threatening people at knife point. <laughs> I'd be like, where are my children? Yeah, not, not drinking a, a triple whiskey and walking around the bedroom thinking, hmm, you know, the police will sort it. Yeah. I'll just hang around you. Yeah, no, no. I think one of the more appropriate father reactions I've ever seen was uh, in that movie. I think it was called Prisoners with Hugh Jackman and Paul Dano. Hmm. Did you see that by any chance? Uh, I don't think so. No. Oh, it's it's brutal. Um, but yeah, uh, Hugh Jackman plays the father of one of the children that goes missing, and he is he is intense. You know, it's not like next level shit like Liam Neeson and Taken. <laughs> it's just like a a really pissed off dad that basically lets his morals go but, completely because his kids are missing. But it, but it plays into Peter though. He's, he's forgotten how to be a hero. He yeah. He's become a guy who's so engrossed in his job and he has all these servants that do everything for him in the office and assistants. Yeah. That, that's yes. what he's doing now. He's just leaving the police to go and find his kids and he'll just hang yes. around there waiting for them to do it for him. He has, he has ceased to become Hook's great and worthy opponent. <laughs> Godfish. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman's just so great as Hook. Oh, but, I know. Okay. So uh, this actually, um, at a point in my notes where I, I and this is going to supplement your point completely. Um, I asked my wife. I said, I was like, what? What the fuck? Why? Of all the places that Tinkerbell could have dropped him, I, I said, why did she drop him like right there in Pirate Central? Exactly. And, like, without. Without skipping a beat, my wife, my wife said, because she likes drama. It's <laughs> like, like, holy shit, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I mean, I think that answers your question. I mean, she could have done anything. I mean, she's proven to be smart enough and capable enough. And she clearly has strength proportionate to like three or four adult men. Yeah. So, yeah, she could have had that. Sort yeah, she can of carry Peter time. to Neverland in a blanket. She can carry the two kids mm-hmm. home. Yes. Uh, so Peter is, he's dropped right, right into um, this pirate haven. 
next to actually I think he's on Hook Ship as a matter of fact. And is it just me or is the intro to Hook is that just not the coolest thing? Yeah, ever? like a rock star with his red carpeted stairs and his high heel shoes. Uh, I love yes. it. Yes, and I I wonder is this like every day for him? Does he do this every day, or is this just because it's such an occasion? <laughs> well, no, it looks like it's a daily thing. There, they sharp on the hook, wait for the captain mm-hmm. to wake up. Wow, <laughs> it's like his daily Suddenly matinee. That... <laughs> <laughs> There's not much else to do, though, is it? To be honest. No, no, and I, and I think that that's what they're playing on with Hook as well, is that he actually has a pretty interesting arc that parallels Peter's. Peter has, he's forgotten how to have adventure. He's forgotten what it's like to be a kid. Yeah. Um, so that kind of parallel, that kind of makes him a pirate, as they pointed out many times in the movie now. But the parallel to that is that Hook is so tired of that existence that he is literally suicidal yes (laughs) so it's like today would be an awfully great adventure it's the only adventure left (laughs) so yeah so that's interesting to look at it from that point of view peter has become this person who if he continues the path that he's on will be hook Mm. who is existentially exhausted and tired of everything and just wants to die yeah so when you look at it from that point of view i think and and this is the first time i've examined it that way hook is basically peter's future yeah um should he continue to be the way that he is so you have these two people that seem diametrically opposed but they're actually the same person and if you ask me that's something that always makes a compelling protagonist villain mm. um, uh, story or, or development. Um, kind of like, uh, what's an example? I think in the last John Wick episode I did with my dad, we were talking about Zero and John Wick and how they're essentially the same type of person, yeah. which made them awesome antagonists to one another. But anyway, Peter adopts this this pirate persona. He takes he takes these the clothing off of, uh, pirates, I think that Tink has dispatched. Pixie Devil. He, <laughs> yes, he he approaches uh, the area where where Hook has his children dangling from a net. Yeah, and he's finally apprehended by Hook and Smee, and and Smee has the paperwork that we were talking to, all the documentation. You know, it says that this is this guy is in fact the Pan, and Hook is is positively devastated. And uh, he's just like, you know what? Just just kill them all. I this I can't even do yeah. it. And he kind of wanders off until Tink flies in and sort of coaxes him into continuing his pursuit. So there you go. I think you're absolutely right about Tinkerbell mm-hmm. being the facilitator yeah. of all of this. Because did the pirates previously know how to get into the really real world? Tinkerbell sure did. Oh, yeah. You know? So how how did they find it? Yeah, because they can't fly. Literally, they would need pixie dust to fly. Yep. Who told them? Mm. Exactly. <laughs> See? The plot thickens. Yes, it really does. But and I'd... isn't it interesting when Peter then just gets his checkbook out to name his price? Yes. And it, he... Because that's that's the that's the 
you know, money talks. And I, I really struggle with the fact of when he climbs up to rescue the kids and he just can't do it. Because mm-hmm. we, we know as dads, you, you'd be up there, even even I'm afraid of heights, and they would be down from there. I'd be cutting that net open, taking as many pilots with me as I can. But yeah, he, he and I don't have to question that. Yeah, he has, he's literally lost everything. He's just a shell of what he used to be. Yep, sniveling a little wuss. Yeah. And that that hit me pretty hard, too, because... And, and I don't know if you think about these things. My my head goes to some pretty dark places sometimes. And uh, I, I think to myself, is there anything that would... Like, what would stop me from helping my child if, if she were in mortal danger? Like, what obstacle... And I don't mean physical obstacles. I mean, if you have me handcuffed behind three inches of steel, there's only so much I can do. Yeah. You know? But, you know, like, what things would terrify me so much that I just couldn't do it? And... um I mean, obviously, I can't think of anything because in my mind, I'm always an incredible hero. Uh, But, you know, looking at things from that perspective, you're like, well, he has this crippling fear of heights. Like, what can he even help that? And uh, that's terrifying to me to know that there could be this this thing that um, that would prevent Mm -hmm. me from being able to to aid my kid. I remember we were watching Brave Wilderness and. I think I sent you a link to that at one point, Brave Wilderness with Coyote Peterson. I was sitting on the couch watching this with my daughter, and there was a giant desert centipede in one of the episodes. Oh, you love centipedes. And I, yeah, and I was just like, oh my God, no, no. And he was—he basically has this centipede bite him to endure the sting because that's one of his trademarks is he lets all these different creatures bite him and he like ranks the pain. Um, but, uh, but my daughter like straight up asked me, she was like, would you cross a room of centipedes to save me? (laughs) I was like, oh, you, that's just, that's evil child. Uh, If Indiana Jones can cross the room full of snakes, then I'm sure you would do it. Yeah. No, I know. Fight off like, or would you be in there like a shot? Yeah. I (laughs) I don't think that, I mean, cause those things, you know, I I would, I would get over it. I think, um, but yeah, they do give me the absolute willies, and I was like, I'll have to think about that for a second, kid. Um, so in the film, then, <laughs> if they were putting you in the boo box, we just drop a couple of centipedes in there. That would be absolutely atrocious <laughs> in every way for me imaginable. Yeah. So I'm Jesus Christ. Anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Tink says, "Come on, give me three days, Hook. Give me three days to whip this guy into shape." And uh, I'll show you that he is the pan, and you can have this war. I mean, she's like really enthusiastic about Hook and Peter Pan fighting, more so than she should be, in my opinion. And never mind, she leaves the kids there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I do have to point out though that I think that Dustin Hoffman has all of the best lines in this movie, (laughs) Um, (laughs) where where he says that. you know, if she's lying or or if she can't do it, no amount of clapping will bring you back from where I'm I know, his accent is incredible. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, but yeah, Dustin Hoffman, absolutely amazing in that picture. It's so. interesting as well, because Puck, uh, Puck, who's Puck? Hook says to Peter, you're the shadow, you're not even a shadow of Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. And that is such a tie-in, as we get to it later on, of the discovery of how he becomes how he comes back to being Peter Pan. So this movie 
with you mentioning that there are so many little details yeah. in this film that all enhance one another and refer back to one another. Yeah. Um, so this film is incredible in, in so many different ways. There, there are two things that annoy the shit out of me that I never noticed before, but we'll get to that because they all take place at the end of the movie. So uh, Peter, where yeah, are we? Peter's so, made to walk the plank then. They tie him up yes, with his. Fall. They tie him up with his own dicky bow, <laughs> and ch- chuck yeah. him in the sea. And he's rescued by these mermaids. Um, how, how incredible do the mermaids look? Still to this day, oh, awesome, awesome. Because those were real women Swimming. in real <laughs> fake tales. <laughs> but they remember. Know, that's dude. what. That's what I love now is Neverland remembers Peter. So mm-hmm. we go from. The mermaids remember him, save his life, stick him in that massive shell on on the end of a vine and just takes him up to the Lost Boys. They literally take him back mm-hmm. to them. And then when Peter finally gets to the Lost Boys' den, that's where mm-hmm. the whole area starts to remember him. And, and then later on you see the plants start to sniff him. And get excited. Yes, and that is that is so cool. But his introduction to the Lost Boys, where he's just he falls into the camp and he's covered in leaves, and they're like, "Who's the shrub?" <laughs> yeah, I, who's I love the, the shrub? I love the one-liners, and they're like, "I'm not a pirate. Yes. All all grown-ups are pirates. I'm not a pirate. I'm a lawyer. Kill the lawyer!" And they just chase him on the couch. <laughs> I'm not that kind of lawyer. Yeah, I'm not that kind of lawyer. I love it. What a line. Yes. So he's yeah he's just like dropped into this nest of of adolescent young boys yeah. and just they push him around they spin him around just uh, antagonizing him the whole time and then they they try to encourage him to play yes and then play you get to that beautiful moment then with um what was the last boy's name pockets pockets the cutest yep. kid ever and he literally sits and ends up the, the, the film slows down for a bit and he's there pressing all the wrinkles out of peter's face and then he goes and he gets that smile and he's like oh there you are peter kills me every yes. time when he, when he makes that I grumpy know. man smile yes oh. that then the the emotional aspects of this movie are just tremendous yeah because they really enforce that idea that you know what um life can be a lot more enjoyable and a lot more tolerable and far more magical if you do just play you know if you let the hang-ups go if you just just release it and allow yourself to have fun and that's the thing is you know sometimes as an adult especially as a working adult with responsibility you're like oh i can't have fun and it's like, it's not that you can't have fun. It's that you won't allow yourself to have yeah, fun. Yeah, you forget to have fun. <laughs> that sort of sets the movie on a course where we have the our firm A story and B story. And the A story is the training of Peter Pan. Love it. They're trying to whoop this dude. In and they shape. do. It... Yes. And the other story is um, Hook's attempt to assimilate Peter's kids. And make them love him. Yeah. Don't he just love it when Smee is plating up food for Huck? He's taking a bite yeah. out of everything first. Yeah. And he's like, and then Smee. he's about to kill himself. And Smee, don't try to stop me. Smee, <laughs> stop me. <laughs> Get up off your Pretty ass. Pretty sure he calls him a sadist then as well. <laughs> yes. What are you, some kind of sadist? 
It's nice. Class. Yeah. Absolutely classful. Hook, Hook does have all the best yeah. lines. Good form, as he would say. But back to Hook. He, he originally had Dustin Hoffman in line to play Hook in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But what happened was uh, Spielberg was originally going to do the film with Disney. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a bit more of a musical. And it was rumor has it that Michael Jackson was going to play the part of Peter Pan. That would have been very interesting. But then the interesting fact is Spielberg dropped it because he just had a baby and he didn't want to spend his time mm-hmm. in London filming the film. He wanted to be a better dad. And Makes if sense. you notice with Spielberg's films, there's always, not always, but there always tends to be a father theme. I think mm-hmm. Spielberg had a quite a troubled relationship with his dad. And this is one of the perfect films to explain that relationship. Yeah, I would definitely. I was, agree I was with even that. watching uh, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds last night. Another Spielberg mm-hmm. film with a troubled dad who has to rise up and be a hero. Um, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones uh, the Last Crusade. E.T. Yeah. The dad doesn't even exist. He's not even around, is he? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, Jaws. Goonies. The dad's always Brody's out at work as well, isn't he? Yeah, of course. I think Brody had a better relationship with his yeah. kids. But he was always at work. And Jaws. You know, notice the themes. There's yeah. always. Yeah. No, that's that's outstanding. Yeah. Spielberg has always been one of my favorites. I was obsessed with with the man himself when I was a kid. I I just thought that he was this this wizard, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> who could who could make all of these things possible and and you know sort yeah. of conjure all of these things uh, into existence and give them life. Um, which is interesting. You think that that would have been George Lucas for me, but I think that at the time. Um, when I was a child, Spielberg was that was like his his high yeah. point. When I was, um, I'd say, when I was about six to about the time I was ten, mm. uh, which would have been he would have been riding the wave of Jurassic Park at that time. So Spielberg was definitely more of a cultural influence over that period of yeah. my life. Whereas Lucas, I think, um, he had kind of peaked with the with the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, but then of course, and it all seems like it was so, uh, it seems like there were just these long spans of times between these things. But, um, if you look at it, talking about the peak of Jurassic Park, and then in a couple years after that, Kenner re-released the power of the force with the power of the force two. And then two years after that, Lucas released, um, the trilogy in cinemas again. So it actually there wasn't that great a passage of time between all of those things. No, quite close to so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say it would be accurate that, that Spielberg and Lucas were actually pretty, um, pretty prominent throughout much. Oh yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, so it, in the scene that you were just describing, that's where I really sort of formulated my thesis that, um, that hook and pan are far more parallel to one another than, than we would have been led to believe because he's, he is a man in existential crisis. Um, in that scene, I think after he, I can't remember if it's after he pretends or is about to kill himself or before where he says, me, I've just had a sublime vision. (laughs) (laughs) I've reached the end of my life. (laughs) And then, and then Smee comes up with um, the plan, man. He goes, I think I've had a, yes. what you call, a, an apostrophe, no, an, an epiphany. 
<laughs> and you're going to make Pan's yeah, kids the... love you. <laughs> I've just had an amazing idea. The The dialogue in this film is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it had been so long since I've seen this movie. Uh, between the time, between the, the last time I saw this movie and all of the just extremely shitty movies that I've seen since, mm-hmm. um, this, I think, deserves far more credit. Uh, not only for how good a movie it is and how how well crafted it is, but the dialogue is just man. It gives Tarantino a run yeah, for his it's money. Yeah, hell, hell of a script. Oh man, so yeah, that's the plan. Uh, while Peter's trying to become Peter Pan again, Hook is trying to uh, sway his children to become more like him and to convince them that their parents don't love him. And what's interesting about this whole thing is that everything Hook says to the kids during his his classroom session um, where he's trying to indoctrinate them from a certain point of view, you might say, is accurate. Yeah. Why, why do your parents um, drink? <laughs> Cry themselves to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like your parents used to stay up just to watch the sun rise <laughs> before you were born. They were free and they were happy. So everything that he says is, is absolutely true. Um, the the detail that he leaves out though is that oftentimes if you know if if your kids are lucky your parents would not trade you to get that back yeah so it's like yes it's true i had fun i was free we, there was a lot more romance etc cetera, etc cetera. it was great but it was a different period this is a new period where i have my child and i love my child and we love our life together um so you know he's not saying anything that's no. wrong or false just, necessarily just laying it down from a certain point of view exactly and when he's talking about the kids being whining being so self-centered it's absolutely true yeah. that is me, what me, kids nine, are nine. i want to wee wee i want to party oh it cracks me up <laughs> yes. yeah. off he is not wrong and he actually says that when when maggie's like oh you're lying he's like why would i lie when the truth is so much more fun <laughs> <laughs> because it is true it is true, but that's the thing is that you, you, you go with it. That's yeah. part of the task of being a parent is that you accept that your kids are kids. You know, um, in fact, there's the line at the beginning of the movie where they're in the plane going to England, and uh, Peter says to his son, "When are you going to grow up and stop acting like a He's child?" Said, yeah. and he says, "I am a child." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's the thing is that you you accept kids for being kids and and you don't push them to act like grown-ups because they're not but yeah so that's my opinion i i could be wrong i do reserve the right to be mistaken yeah. <laughs> um so then we jump between that and uh and the training with the lost boys do you want to take this yeah one away? i just i i always sing the kids tend to sing this to me if i'm trying to exercise in the garden like ain't no time to celebrate you were old and overweight <laughs> oh no <laughs> And I just love the Lost Boys training, Peter. And I'd love the spelling mistakes. Like, did we notice on all their little signs? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, they seem to go through the seasons of training. Within three days, Neverland has had every season. And then they get to the, the training part where they're going to make him fly. And they, they've painted him up and they put him in a massive slingshot. And then they just launch him, and they're trying to tell him to think happy thoughts, and then he just splashes in the mud at the bottom. <laughs> My happy thought. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to that 
wonderful scene then where he is exhausted and he's starving and he can mm-hmm. smell the food, but then he's looking round and then he goes, what do you mean food? Gandhi ate more than this. <laughs> as a kid, There's nothing I, that, there. as a kid, I did not get that joke. As but an it was adult, still funny. Creased every time. Yes. Um, and it, it's, they're telling him you have to believe. And then mm-hmm. Rufio starts the whole slanging match back and forth. And then Peter starts to get into his stride then. And he starts calling him things like substitute chemistry teacher. And then Rufio gets flustered. And then there's that brief moment where Pan is back for a bit. And Rufio storms off and then grabs a coconut, launches it at Peter. And then you hear that you hear the, the crow as Peter chops through the coconut. But then, yes. as he starts to remember, as I, as I mentioned earlier about the trauma, he then drops the sword again, then. He loses that happy thought. Mm-hmm. I love that moment where, when he starts to believe and he sees the food. Yeah. And the food fight. Absolutely incredible. Yep, that's how I think he lapses into the belief, as he yeah. flings that imaginary uh, spoonful of what looks like multicolored yogurt yeah. <laughs> at Rufio. And then it's real. I know. And that's amazing. I, I, I love that scene so much. As a kid, I think that was one of my favorite scenes um, in the film. Now, as an adult now, almost every scene with Hook is my absolute favorite. But uh, I don't know if that's telling that I'm a man in constant existential crisis. <laughs> but, you know. I've always Whatever. loved that scene because of the food. As, as a kid, I'd always run out my grandmother's. This is where I used to watch the film motives at my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. And that scene then, I'd run out and get her to make food, no matter what time of the day it was. Yes. <laughs> so I could eat it, with the Lost Boys. Yes. It looked so... I don't, I don't... The right word is escaping me. I wanted to be involved in it. Yeah. Um, it looked very appealing, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Um, so that drops Peter on the cusp of remembering. And it's at this point that we go back to the other side of the story where Hook is trying to indoctrinate the kids and he kind of, he realizes pretty quickly that he's not going to be able to subdue Maggie. So he pretty much just ignores her and focuses on Jack because he's the wink leak. He's the one that has probably the, the worst relationship um, with their dad because he's older. I think there are things that are important to him that he wishes his dad would pay attention to. And I think that, Maggie is young enough that she's going to love her dad no matter what at this point. Yeah, there is a sad part at the the beginning of the film where Maggie has um, a pretend flower and yeah. she offers oh, it to gosh. Peter and he's like, can you smell it? And he's like, it's just paper, honey, and then pushes it away. Kills me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know. I know. And it's like she, I think she said, Toodles made this. Yeah. Yeah, and then he says that, and it's like, Peter, you just, you you totally missed the point of that whole thing. He <laughs> made that. That's cool. That's art. She's proud of it. <laughs> you know, oh. like, that's the point, and you're being a dick. Yeah, that, that part really upset me. I'm glad you mentioned that, because, mm. again, that's just another one of those actions in this yeah. movie that cements his character. But uh, going, going back to Hook and Jack and Smee, um, I think what would have been the final nail in, in the coffin with his relationship with his dad is when Hook takes him to the clock room yep. and lets him get all of his aggression out on these clocks. And then the only clock that's ticking in Neverland is the pocket watch that Peter yep. gave him, and he smashes it. And that's kind of like the the dark side moment, right? Yeah. He's, he's turned. 
smashes yeah. the pocket watch and his dad came in. Mm. It's, it, there's even so things like brutal. you smashing clocks. This is for not letting me blow bubbles in my chocolate milk. Oh. Not, not not letting me jump on my own bed. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, as a parent, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, beds are expensive, and you yeah. wear the frame out. <laughs> like, oh no, no, you gotta find the balance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, he, he's a little pirate now and, um, and Hook is incredibly proud of this. He, uh, you know, he's, he's captured Jack as it were. And, and his little mini me outfit. Yes. Which is just absurd. <laughs> now, but at the time I thought it was cool, but watching it as an adult now, I'm like, no, <laughs> that's strange and unusual. But then, but then Hook is at this time is a better father figure to say he's there at the ball game and Peter goes he's, he's, another task is you've got to steal Hook's hook and crow but then Peter just gets totally locked because he's actually at the ball game now watching mm-hmm. Jack hit the home run it's just ah. Oh. and Hook says my Jack and yeah. he's like no no my Jack <laughs> yeah so let me ask you this because when I was watching this last night I I got the impression that Hook was um, that he was just doing he had no emotional involvement he was just doing this to hurt Peter Pan. However, since you've mentioned it and since you and I have been talking about this, and then you know bringing up the idea that that Peter and Hook are actually parallels, do you think that Hook found a purpose outside of this existential crisis that he was having yeah, and maybe it's... having a son? Hook seems to long for family. That's one thing he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think when he manipulates Jack, he realises, oh, there's something that has been missing from my life. Instead of killing lost children, I should <laughs> I should have raised one as my own. Who's going to okay. carry on the Hook name after Hook? Yes. Because he is old, no, that makes, as, as that we makes reveal sense. later on. No, that's, that's awesome. And I think that lends so much more depth and meaning to the story um you know like when you put it that way of course it seems pretty obvious but that's that's one of the reasons why i love having these conversations is because sometimes mid-conversation you just have this apostrophe and you know (laughs) you you get it as it were um but anyway that was a that was a poor joke so now we have peter at a point that he realizes that he's made a huge mistake i think yeah, and Jack hits this home run, the one that that Hook is so proud of. And when Peter gets back to the Lost Boys camp, that ball that's still been hurtling through the air smacks him right in the head. Yeah, he's trying. And he's, sort of, he gets back and he's trying to he's trying to fly, jumping off the high rock. Yes, goes to the highest one. Oh, not too high. Goes down. Yeah, a little too high. Yeah. <laughs> but then whack, the ball hits him right in the head. Mm-hmm. And then and his amnesia clears. Yeah, and as he as he reaches into the water to get the ball. He's looking down and he sees the reflection of his younger self. And as I said about the shadow earlier, he turns and you see the the, the famous Peter Pan shadow. Mm-hmm. It's pointing towards the original treehouse. And that is where Peter starts to remember his happy thoughts. And it's also where that trifling bitch, Tinkerbell, yep. tries to... <laughs> She tries to ensnare him. Yep, she's all dolled up to the nines in a sparkly dress. 
<laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's the thing is that she doesn't seem nefarious at all. She seems like a girl that's been in love with a guy and is trying. You know, she's taken her last shot. So you don't yeah. really get the idea that she's being overtly no. manipulative. But and this is the part where I started thinking. I was like, all right, this is let's just let's look at this critically. What does this mean? Because you know, in films and stories, you have scenes and dialogue, and everything means something because you have to make mm. every scene and every word count towards telling your story. If it does not enhance the story or move it forward, it does not belong in the movie. And that's one that's one bit of criteria that I use to gauge the quality of a film or of a film story. So I'm asking myself, what does this scene mean? Why is it here? And I'm interested to hear what you think about this because I thought that perhaps Tinkerbell in this moment symbolizes the past and how seductive it can be. Because as adults, we we often, we kind of long for certain moments and we kind of pine for certain moments. Yeah, that whereas Peter has moved on, yes. Tink has constantly lived in the thought and the memory of Peter and the glory days. The thing is, the past is the past, and and we can't reach for it because it it's a phantom. Yeah, it's a it's a wisp of fairy dust, and what we have now, that's the important thing, and that's what matters. And I think that that's what this scene symbolized. I think that Tinkerbell was a symbol of the past. Yeah, and he almost fell for it, but then he realized when Tink was kissing him. You know, she thought that he said more, and he was saying Moira because Moira is his wife. He has a family. That's why he's here. So, the past is extremely seductive, but we can't, mm. we cannot dwell on it. We cannot wish for things that that pass. We have to embrace where we are now, and and move forward. And I think that that is what that symbolizes. Yeah, because when he finds the teddy, the memories move from the past. And then into more future memories of what his ha- actual happy thought was. Mm-hmm. He gets over. Right. He gets over the whole being a lost boy and um, losing his mum and being brought to Neverland. Then at the end of the day, the happy thought that brings Peter Pan back is being a dad mm-hmm. and his son, mm-hmm. his firstborn. Yeah. And as as he remembers, you see him start to lift off the floor. But then even Tink realizes. I think Tink realizes then that no, that ship has sailed with me and him, because she mm-hmm. tells him hold on to that happy thought, Peter, and then he just soars out through the treehouse. Somehow yeah. does a quick costume change. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that too. Yeah, um, I've always wondered that yeah. as a kid. Where did the tights come from? <laughs> I, well, Maggie had said that that she thought that Tinkerbell had been working on it, which she probably had been. Um, I mean, it's, that's not creepy. It's an, it's an off-screen detail, but yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? But it, it, yeah, I suppose the the costume could have been there as he flies through the roof. He does fly through ivy and vines, and the costume does look like it's made out of ivy and vines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and when you get down to it, goddamn it, it's magic. Yeah. It's Neverland. The guy Fuck is it. flying. <laughs> the guy is flying on pixie dust and happy thoughts. Let's yes. not worry about his costume. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, no, it's just it's funny to me because it's. So much in this movie is is so layered and nuanced yeah. and at times dense that those smaller details are like what, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because the movie is so good otherwise. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, Peter Pan is back. Rufio, like he concedes the point, and he's not a dick about it anymore. Yeah, cut, cuts which, Rufio's trousers off. Yeah, plays through, yep. plays with the Lost Boys. What what a great actor to have playing an adult Peter Pan, Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Man, just he's hilarious. You yeah. could just, I couldn't imagine anybody else trying to play an older Peter Pan. No, because he Robin Williams just looks like an elf. Yeah. Anyway, like he's just got that persona. Um, that was, and I, I realized that I say was now at this point, it's, it's an absolute tragedy, his passing and God rest his soul. Yeah, I, I can't either. And I, when I was watching that scene last night, I was thinking that those kids were, were probably having so much fun. Oh yeah. They, on they, screen. that's been documented that was on the, um, the 25 year anniversary where the, the lost boys got back together and the original younger Peter Pan. And they put their original costumes on and did a photo shoot. Oh, they, no. And they were remembering Robin Williams, how much fun he was. There's, wow. there's a cracking video on YouTube with the food fight. Mm-hmm. And and you see Spielberg on set with Robin Williams. He's going, all parents should do this with their kids. And they just launch in food at the kids and the kids are laughing. I'll have to send you the link to it. It's incredible. Yes, please do. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably post that in the... Okay. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure the link is is available because oh, that would be so fun. But yeah, so that's where we're at. We're we're back, and and Peter is back, and it's time to go rescue his kids. I mean, that's essentially the climax of the film. And I can't really, I can't really think of anything outstanding that happens because it's basically just you know Lost Boys versus pirates. Nobody's really getting hurt. You it's know, a good fun um, fight. You know, you get yeah. In like- Shooting eggs at the pirates' faces, and, yeah, and dropping marbles on the floor. Yeah, so it, there's not like anything at risk. You know, I don't feel like there's any risk. I mean, it's supposed to be the, you know, like the climactic fight, but Rufio does get stabbed in the chest, oh. which totally sucks. Lucky, lucky, I got um, lucky. That was the I'm- that is one of the the first things that I took some issue with because after Rufio's killed, like, does anybody like is there's was there a memorial? Like, was there any like mourning the loss of Rufio. Um, no, in, you don't see it. You, you see the when when Rufio dies, there's like this wind that goes across mm-hmm. Neverland, but then it isn't addressed yeah. after that. Okay, but it, it is, that's it what is I, that's what I thought. Back to the whole dad thing. What mm-hmm. kills me as well is when Rufio is dying, and he goes, "You know what I wish? I wish I had a dad like you." Oh, right in the heart. Right. Oof. I know, <laughs> and it, it could be that that held enough emotional resonance that they didn't have to extend extend the death of Rufio yeah. or mention it later. I was just a little put off that nobody seemed to care but it, but, past but that scene. It is a child thing as well, isn't it? Children, yeah, you could go, oh, you know, Granny's you know just passed away, and the kids go, oh, that's sad, and then kids will just carry on playing. Do you know, kid, they can have their moment yeah, where they cry, but kids can just put things away and then carry that's on true. with their life. No, you're absolutely right about yeah. that, actually, and. I noticed that that was present when I was watching uh, when we went to see uh, Endgame in cinemas and Tony died and his daughter is there. And I was just like, man, it's eerie how accurate that is. Yeah. Uh, she's sad, but she's like, oh, you know, I'll have a sandwich. Yeah, like a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cheeseburger. That was it. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That That is a good point. That's essentially the, the end of the movie. I mean, you get a face off between Peter and Hook. Um, Peter is is far more merciful, I think, than he should be, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah. So, 
Peter is just once he's got his kids, he's willing to leave, and then Hook's like, mm-hmm. "I will always come for your children's children's children." Oh right, yep. And so I'll always be here. They have the final duel then, and it it gets to the point where the Lost Boys are using the clocks to fight and frighten Hook. Mm-hmm. And then the final duel ends underneath TikTok, the big stuffed clock. Yes, after removing Hook's wig yes. to reveal his hideous <laughs> thinning my white dignity, hair. Peter. You've already taken my hand. <laughs> Class. Oh, jeez. Um, so, but he's and this was disappointing because if Hook had any saving grace as a character, it was pretty much all wiped away when he had that spring-loaded dagger in his sleeve yeah. and tried to accost Peter. And then they say, was it Jack that shouted, bad form? Yeah. <laughs> or something to that. And it is. That's a cut Peter's that's arm just, with a hook as well. Oh, right. Yeah. that That's just dirty. But pirate. Yeah, he's a dirty pirate. It's the same tricks he does on Rufio. Changes swords yep. as Rufio comes to fight him. Oh. That, that So you can't really fault him for staying true to his nature. But this brings us to... The defeat of Hook, and this is the part that I just couldn't figure out. Yeah. Like I, I attempted many mental gymnastics to try to explain this. <laughs> Where does his Hook, hook go? goes through the? Yeah, he his hook goes into the crock, which is obviously dead because they had it stuffed. Yeah, but, but then it, it growls. It growls as and as the clock falls out, the head tilts, and mm-hmm. there is a sound that the crock is sort of alive. So I don't know if, how the magic of Neverland works. Well, it belches too, right? Yeah, after after it vanishes. Where, yeah. where does he just, go? Exactly. Like, they look in his mouth. He's like, Hook's gone. What the fuck? Like, you you, you had this amazing film. And that, that to me is like, it was like a, a skip or a scratch on the record. Like, slam on brakes. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> like, what just happened? Where does he go? This needs a better explanation. Um, I haven't found it. If you know what happened or if it occurs to you later, please let me well, know. It's the same as... Doesn't the Disney film doesn't show Hook's demise? He literally just sails no, off into the sunset in the mouths of TikTok. Yeah, I think that he's... Yeah, he's consistently trying to avoid being eaten as um, the crocodile swims with with Hook in his mouth yeah. into the horizon. Like, that's... I think that's pretty much all you see. So maybe Hook just did a quick escape. And, you know, after all, what would the world be like without Captain Hook? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that I, was a little too vague for me. <laughs> but I always wonder where he went. Because, you know, it's a dead yeah. croc. Whoa. Um, Gosh, I mean, we could speculate. I don't, maybe Hook was just like an idea that vanished. I don't know. There's, there's a lot that there are many directions that you could take that. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into um, that. And see if Spielberg said anything about it. Yeah, I would like to know. It's <laughs> like if I could ask you one question, what the fuck? <laughs> Where did <the> Hook go? <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> yeah, out of all the things that I could ask you, <laughs> this is what I need answered. But uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. So, um, Pan takes his kids back. Yeah, as, um, there but is he, a, so, he almost forgets his kids. You notice he forget he's he's too busy playing again, and he looks and he's like, oh yeah, I've right. got kids. Oh yes. <laughs> And then there's the cer- the ceremonial passing oh, of the sword. And what a leader to give it to. Thudbutt. He gave it, was it Thudbutt? Thud, yep. Oh, I love that kid. Who, yeah, I, I was hoping... Uh, he hasn't been in much. Gosh. Hammond, is it? Yeah. Rashawn? Rashawn? Yeah, Rashawn yeah well, Hammond. he looks a lot different now. Yeah. 
but yeah, I don't recall seeing him in anything else. No, I, yeah. I had I had hoped that he, he would give the sword to Pockets because I did not remember that. And I was like, oh, God, who's he going to give it to? Um, but he gave it to Thudbutt, which is totally fine. But I was rooting for Pockets. I know, but Thudbutt does prove himself to be a leader in the battle, doesn't he? That's true, yeah. yes. And he, he did give Peter Toodle's marbles. That he <laughs> he really lost. did lose his marbles. Yeah, so if those were his happy and and that's again that's another one of those details in this movie that's just so amazing yeah. because if those were his happy thoughts, his marbles, then that kind of explains his dementia. Like if he would have had his marbles with all of his good and happy <laughs> thoughts, then he might have had it together in his old age, but he left him in Neverland. Sad oh, but was the coolest action figure as well though. I don't I never had that oh, one. Oh, I literally I don't, I don't remember that one. I think I had almost every figure for this film. Including the including them. the beautiful Peter Pan sword, you know, the coconut and the gold. Oh yeah. And they even had a bell inside it, so when you hit it, it did sound like the, the swords were tinkling together. I, I remember that. But the action figures, man. It was Mattel and they you know, you had the beefy like Peter figures, but the thud butt you could actually Roll his legs up and roll him like he does in the film. I'm gonna have to look at yeah, that because to, I don't I'll, remember I'll link ever seeing that one. I had I had the like the most traditional Peter because they had all the variants. Yeah. I remember all like the variations and uh, even as a kid, I remember being so put off by that bullshit. Like whenever a Batman movie came out and you would have like oh jungle camo Batman or whatever, yeah. I was like fuck that. Just give me the give me the, the one that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember that um, the hook figure that I had was the one where if you you could pull his legs out and he would get taller. Whoa! And that one uh, uh, that's very massive. That was of the my universe. favorite. <laughs> I had the, I had the hook one with the in, inside his hook. You could change. It was like a Swiss Army knife. You could pull out the hook and then put that away, yeah. and then the, the blade would pop out. I vaguely remember that. Because I'm also getting those figures confused with the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves yeah, figures because that was time. about the same time. Mm-hmm. Which that was a whole other set of bullshit, but <laughs> but they were really fun. Yeah, they were really fun. Oh gosh, but yeah. So they go back to England, and doesn't Toodle, Toodles gets to go back to Neverland? Doesn't That's he? how the Does film he go ends. Back with yeah, yeah, I thought so. Because it's it's interesting. Um, Peter gets back and he is suddenly in his um, his dinner tuxedo. tuxedo again. Yeah. Which makes you think, oh, was it all just a dream? Mm-hmm. But then you notice around his neck he still has the marbles. Yeah. And he hears, and he hears the tinkling Smee of bottles there. and it's Bob Hoskins who is the park keeper sweeping mm-hmm. the bottles. Oh, you be in trouble with the missus? <laughs> yeah, if, what was he like? Uh, if, if you're not now, you will be or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Oh man, that was and great. Then Tink, and then Tink comes back to have that one final say of "I'll always love you" in that yeah in that part between sleep and where you remember your dreams. I'll always be there. Yeah, that's where I'll love you, or something to that effect. Yeah, that was a really good line, by the way. But I I remember at the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned that there were a couple of things that that kind of put me off. We addressed the one with the crocodile. Um, the other one was, of course, Bob Hoskins there. So. My question is, was he the window washer uh, who had been keeping an eye on Peter and, and reporting? And, and did he just get the fuck out of Dodge when he realized that Hook was gone? Um, I think to, he more. To try I to... don't think he was in the window. I think when you said what I said to you earlier about Captain Hook being the pilot, 
the captain mm-hmm. of the aeroplane, and they're flying on Pan Am, and mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins is the the park keeper. I, I think mm-hmm. J.M. Barry took a lot from what was surrounding him to make the characters in the story. So I think right. it plays more on that that how, how you could look out the window and, and imagine this man being somebody else. Because yeah. notice, you notice it all takes place in the park where you have the, the famous fountain of Peter Pan. Now that and that's actually why I had the issue because that that's what I settled on. But the the issue that I had was that it's so vague because it could go either way. And mm. and so, and I'm not saying that being vague is always a bad thing. There are just sometimes when being vague is more of an annoyance to me than it is a oh cool look at that mm. <laughs> you know. Or what do you suppose that means? Um, because clearly they could get there, but then, I don't know. It, it just seems somewhat unnecessary to reveal that both Hook and Smee could come back to our world. I, I, I think they're totally different, different characters. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's fine. I, I just, I, I'm just my, interested. I, I, I just had a thought as well. Do you know when you said about um, the man at the window? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a part in that where Jack says, "Oh, uh, it's something about at his house, all the windows have bars on them." Mm-hmm. So it makes me. I've just had a thought now. I wonder if they've had things at the window before, and that's why uh, Peter's put bars in in the early days. And they just couldn't get to them. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense because I I get the impression that they had been trying to find him and wait for their mm. opportunity for a long time. Um, because all they've got is time, yeah. really. Crazy. Oh, but it, man. it's, it's well, lovely seeing the re- reinvigorated Peter then, though. Absolutely. How he just Which... launches the phone out the window <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, I've been yeah. with uh, Jim Hook, duel to the death. <laughs> yes. As he's digging for the phone and in the garden with Nana the dog. Co-workers. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did enjoy that. And he was like, always leave your windows open. And I was like, Peter, that's irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> But whatever, I can see that you're full of enthusiasm, and I don't want to deflate you. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. I love love that movie, and I'm gonna try to convince my daughter to watch it with us. Oh, again. you got to, because every time I stick it on, Jaden, if he hears me watching it, he la- he stops what he's doing and comes and watches it because mm-hmm. he he went through a phase where he was constantly watching this on repeat. So. Oh, it's a great movie. I. I watched all kinds of films like that when I was my daughter's age. And, and right now, you know, I don't, I'm learning that it's better to not really push her in those directions yeah. because I'm usually, I'm like, Oh, well I watched all these things when I was your age, but she tends to not like, um, non animated movies. So it's not that she doesn't have the patience because she'll sit and watch. We watched treasure planet last mm. night and she loved it. But if you put on something with with real people and you know live actors, it's not as appealing to her. Yeah, there's that thing where a lot of children are drawn to the animated look, and they with the the bigger eyes and things like that. Yeah. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna press it. You yeah. Know, hopefully she'll you know find some find some love in those things. But if not, you know that's just part of the game. You know, um, I fortunately we have a lot of passions that overlap. Um, in the animated world, so she's like her favorite thing in the whole world is um, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, and one of my favorite things in the whole world is Into the Spider Verse. So we we definitely we find uh, find that common ground there, and I, I really enjoy spending that time with her. Can't beat watching movies with the kids. No, no, you really can't 
can't beat it with a stick, as they say. <laughs> Did you have any closing thoughts? Well, on the eve of Father's Day, I think this was a perfect discussion to have. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think you're there's, right. There's a, a massive underlying message in this film, and I think a lot of people need to revisit it and have another watch. Mm-hmm. And just lose yourself in Neverland. When I was done watching this, I there were two things I really wanted to do, and that was to give my kid a hug, which is pretty much always something I want to do. But also, I was just like, man, I gotta top, I gotta stop taking life so seriously. Yeah, <laughs> we know, all need, like... especially as dads, we all need to watch Hook every so often to remind yeah. ourselves, like, just take a step back, just play and have yeah. fun. Allow yourself to have yeah. fun. Yeah, so many things are actually enjoyable and at the very least tolerable if you allow yourself to have fun you know you only have a certain window of being a child so why not increase Mm -hmm. that window open it up a bit and just enjoy life and take everything so seriously yes very well said bangerang bangerang (laughs) any father's day plans for tomorrow uh we are gonna have a big dinner and the kids have got something surprised so nice that's gonna be pretty cool I expect that I'll see photographic documentation. Of course. Have you got any plans? Yeah, I'm uh, about the same, really. Um, we're gonna have a, a dinner and uh, and some cake, probably. And I think they've they've got a few goodies for me. I know Izzy's made me a card, which is always wonderful because she makes some of the best cards for Father's Day, and uh, and that's that's gonna be it pretty much. Um, after tomorrow, uh, like for for the past probably six weeks I've been doing a very specific exercise program that um, that Jude turned me on to actually and I've lost quite a bit of weight since I started it gained a lot of muscle and um, the way that I had been doing it was basically just to see if I could adapt to it to see if it was something that I could maintain yeah. consistently and I have so like tomorrow is just fuck all and I'm going to eat whatever I want and eat all the cookies <clears throat> and all of that. Uh, and then I'm officially going, I guess officially going on the program um, the following Monday. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I've kind of been experimenting with it for six weeks and now that I feel like I can, can grasp it, um, you know, part, part of my father's day gift, I guess is going to be, uh, the funds to go towards some of the equipment that I need, et cetera, um, or that I will need as the program progresses. So it's going to be, I'm going to be on the straight and narrow for a little while here. And, and this father's day is kind of going to be a, a, just, just a fuck yeah. all. And, uh, you know, cheat days are important. It's going to be fun. Though. Hell yes, they are. Hell yes, they <laughs> are. I think that, um, when they're not allowed, I think it's more of an exercise in your willpower yeah. than it is an actual detriment to your health. Because if you're doing everything that you need to do 97% of the time, that 3% is not going to Yeah, yeah even up. the rock has a cheat day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I don't think I've eaten as much food in a week as that motherfucker in eats in one cheat I day. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I would vomit halfway through that. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, Thanks again for doing this, Luke. I appreciate it. I know we've been talking about it for a yeah. while. I'm so glad we got to do it. Absolutely love this film and love our chats. And I hope everyone yeah. else will enjoy it too. Absolutely. I hope that uh, I do hope that you enjoy your Father's Day. I'm going to do the best that I can, and can't wait till we have you back on. Yeah, man. Take it easy, Take man. Take it easy, dude. 
Well then, I reckon that episode may go down as a highlight in the Sleeping Giant podcast reel. Another massive thanks to Mr. Luke Summerfield for donating his time to chat with me, all despite being five long hours ahead of us here in the States. It's always a pleasure to be graced by the King of Wales, and y'all can look forward to him being on the show again this year when we talk about the incredible 1987 sci-fi horror classic, Predator. In the meantime, make sure to follow the Sleeping Giant Podcast on the social medias at facebook.com slash the Sleeping Giant Podcast and Instagram at the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Also, look for me on Twitter at TSG underscore pod. And if you like the show and you'd like to toss me a buck to support its production, hit me up on patreon.com slash the Sleeping Giant Podcast. As always, Rate and review the Sleeping Giant podcast on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Every bit helps, y'all, and I sincerely appreciate it. Once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant podcast, and until next time, y'all. Sleeping Giant.